Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Necromancers of the Northwest podcast. Uh, today, we really only have one thing on the docket, and that is the D&D Next playtest. We're going to be uh, we're going to be taking a look at our experience with the playtest and talking about things we uh, things we liked and things we didn't like. So uh, let's more let's start at the beginning. Let's start with talking about uh, the rules themselves and how they lived up to the uh, to the promises of let let's reunify everybody by making sure everything is familiar to players of every different edition. And let's talk about what kind of uh, what kinds of things they did to achieve that. So, uh, looking into it, I was able to immediately uh, immediately recognize my favorite edition of the game in this new edition, which which was third edition. Uh, they they have a lot of things that, that make that clear. For example, the uh, the way the ability scores work is the same, uh, and uh, you know you you have hit points and attack bonuses and all all those kinds of things. But there's there's also not any any particularly weird complicated rule that you know I I saw that made me go okay well this is something completely foreign. Uh, I was you know you see a lot of little changes to things like. Um, like changes to the spells that, uh, that that you have access to, uh, changes to how your armor is going to uh, going to affect your AC, and uh, then you also get some uh, some bigger, much more noticeable changes. For example, the lack of skill points. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the the change to skills. Uh, for those of you who haven't had the opportunity to play the the D and D next play test, um, just to uh, just to give you a heads up, the uh, as far as we can tell, and obviously it's it's early at this point, but the the system that they're proposing here does not use skills. Uh, there's no no skill points, no skill ranks, no class skills, no skill checks. Um, it's it's a lot more like, for example, AD and D in that way. Uh, though, don't worry, your uh, your fighter will still be able to uh, to hide and move silently. Um, the uh, the way that they work instead is that they um what what they do is they give you the system focuses heavily on ability checks uh as as we would know them in any case uh so you roll a die 20 you add your relevant ability score modifier based on whatever it is you're doing uh and then there are um there there seem to be based on backgrounds i believe it was uh but based on based on some some trait that wasn't directly your class uh you gain you 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 have training in in certain skills, uh, which gives you a plus three bonus on those skills. But that bonus, to the best of what we can see from this playtest, is is just a bonus on a straight ability check. There, uh, so skills then is sort of like maybe the uh, the AD and D. I think it was the proficiency system for skills. I remember they had two different setups for that, and I was always very confused by them because it wasn't a system I played very much of. Uh, but the one where if you're if you're trained in it, you're trained in it, and that's what it is. Um, and you know the idea then was basically if you're trained in it, then you you can do it, and that's that. Uh, this is you know more like you know when when you're doing something related to one of these uh, one of these skills, then you get that plus three bonus. So. That's their new system. Uh, it's it's obviously a lot less uh, <laughs> skill intensive, but it's it's a lot less. You don't need to put uh, put skill points or anything into it, and it's not going to level up as much in time, in theory. So, theoretically, the uh, the DC to to keep some to keep uh, uh, climbing a cliff challenging should be about the same at DC, at first level, which would be level twenty, which is at the same time 
uh, for different skills exciting and maybe a little bit less so. So obviously uh, we're, we're looking at a, at a skill system that doesn't include um, you know skill ranks but in which using skills still feels very familiar where, where you roll dice, add appropriate modifiers and try to meet a DC. So, uh, so the, the, here's a good example of where they did something, uh, where they did something very different from what we're familiar with, while still keeping it very familiar to those of us who are uh, who are actually playing with it. Uh, and I know during our uh, during our playtest game experience, there were a couple of points where we uh, where we made uh, ability checks to accomplish non-combat actions, uh, which obviously used attack rolls and things like that. Uh, and you know, it, it felt you know very uh, very natural to uh, to you know when you need to diplomacy with a guy to add your charisma bonus to a uh, to a d20 roll uh, a lot of that is uh, you know f maybe a little bit more familiar because we're very low level so there, there wasn't a uh, a huge adjustment to uh, to think about but it was uh, it's also kind of nice not to uh, at, le at least in theory have to think about adding a lot of huge adjustments and watching things uh, things spiral out of control I think it'll make it a lot easier to uh, to keep games very uh, consistent. That's true. One of the things about uh, third edition and Pathfinder is if you if you need to have uh, if you want to have a challenging diplomacy encounter or a challenging climb encounter or a challenging swim encounter uh, at at any given level, then in theory at least, in order to do that, you need to find some excuses for why the DC should be painfully high because most skill DCs tend to be written on the assumption that the character has between like one and five ranks and so in order for you to make a challenging swim check for characters who have ranks in swim and aren't necessarily wearing full plate um, you need to you know, it needs to be stormy seas and there needs to be uh, like the water needs to have something going on with it and there's sharks is not actually going to affect the swim DC but perhaps the stars are in a lot you need to get some you know you need to get some stuff up there pretty bad and diplomacy can be much harder to justify that for yeah precisely I mean think think back for a minute about say handle animal say you get good at handle animal now you're looking at uh, you know, yeah, you can fail your check if you roll a one, maybe, uh, instead of, uh, and and then only because you're critically failing. Uh, whereas, uh, whereas with a system like this, a, a DC of 15 is going to remain relatively challenging. So, you know, later in the game when you need to do something, uh, do something more impressive, uh, the, the rules, you know, support you better. Just saying, yeah, the DC is still 15 to uh, to handle that tiger or whatever. Uh, and, and so that there's still a, an element of potentially being able to fail, which is, uh, which is you know, exciting. Um, so, you know, other things that, that look familiar, you still get initiative, you still act in turn order. You know, I mean, uh, the basic block looks very similar to me. You, you still make attacks. One thing that seems to be conspicuously missing is, uh, is a base attack bonus uh, progression. I don't know if that's uh, if that's something that that is just isn't veil, uh, visible in the playtest, but as uh, as near as I can tell, none of the characters' attack bonuses increase as they uh, as they increase in level on a uh, on a clear scale like that. Yeah, though uh, though that's not necessarily to say that there won't be some sort of bonus based on level. Um, there were, for example, when we were going through the playtest, there were a few numbers that didn't add up right. Um, we found out, we found out since that uh, that the reason why the 
uh, the dwarf fighter, and I believe also the uh, the dwarf cleric. One one of the clerics uh, had um, different damage dice numbers than their weapon was supposed to. Uh, is apparently a racial feature, which was just not called out in the uh, in the the thing. It's it's I guess they're uh, instead of weapon familiarity for for dwarven weapons being that they're proficient, it now means that their their dice size is increased by one, which Sounds to me like it's going to be a huge, ugly pain, but uh, perhaps it'll be really easy. I don't know. Uh, and then also there, there were the like attack numbers were not adding up properly either. Uh, I have not actually found out yet why that that would be the case. Uh, I I think the information is probably out there somewhere, but I haven't I haven't personally seen it. So it's possible that there may be a base attack bonus in there somewhere. But it's it's true as uh, as Josh pointed out. If you look on the uh, the sheets, if you have them, you know it tells you what happens when you level up. And for the most part, uh, at the very least on the uh, on the dwarf fighter, uh, it uh, it doesn't say anything about your uh, about your attack going up at all. So uh, it's entirely possible that attack bonuses are going to stay right where they are. Uh, which also seems to, uh, that seems to me to be fairly likely when you look at, uh, at how their armor is working, uh, where they, uh, where they tend to be a lot more, uh, static about the number and it tends to be, uh, tends to be somewhat smaller and, uh, and less, uh, dependent necessarily on, uh, on certain ability scores. Yeah, specifically uh, for those of you who haven't played the playtest, the uh, the new way that that armor class uh, coming from armor at least works is that um, so like in third edition, like in like in Pathfinder, you still have three types of of armor. I think also like in fourth edition, I think they did that too. Uh, you've got light armor, medium armor, and heavy armor. Uh, then from there, it gets a little bit different as light armor will give you, uh, it gives you your bonus to AC. Uh, in the table it's written as, for example, 12 plus your dexterity modi modifier, uh, but that's the same as, as the, the bonus is 2, uh, etc. Uh, but anyway, so it, it gives you, for, for light armor, you get, you get the, the bonus, and then you get your full dexterity. For medium armor, you get whatever AC it's giving you, and then you get half of your dexterity modifier. And then for heavy armor, you just get the AC bonus that they're giving you. So um, it's it's a different system than we're used to with maximum dexterity and uh, and skill skill check penalties. Um, obviously, skill check penalties not being uh, very important without skills, but it's a little bit different than we're used to with max dex. And uh, and apparently, if you're planning on on running around in full plate, there's really no reason anymore to make sure you have a 12 dex. Uh, but Nonetheless, it, it is kind of intriguing in its simplicity, uh, and while it's a lot more likely to lock um, to lock heavily armored characters into lower uh, armors than they would be otherwise, um, it's nonetheless, I think, uh, a, an interesting system, and I look forward to, to seeing where they're going with that, especially with... Um, I'll be interested to see what magic armor looks like. They do have in the table, they have like like adamantine armor is just in the table now and it costs like a million times more than what anyone would expect uh, and and all of that. It's just a, a greater AC level. But, um, you know, they don't have they don't have full plate plus one listed or anything. So I'm, I'm eager to see what sort of prices those command if they're even in the game. 
uh, and and what that's going to do as far as maximum AC. Uh, they did have, uh, I believe we, we saw they, they do, they are saying in there at least that there's a maximum ability score that you can have. I believe they were saying that players cap at 20. Uh, so it, it's possible that we'll also see an AD&D style maximum AC as well uh, would, would be interesting. Yeah, so again, when we uh, when we look at armor, we see something that is that is different. But again, it's still fairly familiar. Obviously, characters in light armor are favor a higher dexterity, and characters in heavy armor don't necessarily need that as much, except for when they want to hide or do something else dex based. And of course, characters with medium armor don't exist. <laughs> uh, certainly, uh, certainly not unless you uh, you end up rolling your stats or something, and you have sort of average dexterity. Then it happens to be better somehow, or it's cheaper. Anyway, some people like medium armor. Uh, anyway, uh, it, it, admittedly, the the system's probably going to look a lot more different from uh, for players used to uh, used to second edition, where you always got your armor. Or your your decks to your armor, so uh, so maybe they uh, they might be feeling a little less like this is reunification through uh, through familiarity, but uh, but I, even there, I, I don't think anybody's going to be going, you know. Well, you know, I should totally be super flexible in uh, in inflexible metal casings. Uh, so uh, so I think that this is a this is something that is very fairly easy to come to, and it. Um, it's going to be, uh, you know, something that everybody can look at and not be uh, perplexed by. Uh, that's actually probably my favorite part about looking through their rules is, you know, there wasn't anything that uh, that that was so alien or foreign that that someone experienced with playing the game. Like like we were 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 really confused at any point. Um, again, there there was a there was a brief bout where we couldn't figure out where all the numbers were coming from, and that was very frustrating. Being uh, being hardcore third edition fans, we we like to know where all our numbers are coming from, and uh, and and make sure that they are uh, that they are correct, and more importantly, as high as possible. Yeah, for the most part, that was true, and there wasn't uh, there wasn't really a whole lot of, of places for confusion. Uh, I did have a little bit of trouble uh, wrapping my head around one concept. Um, it, it wasn't actually a terribly complicated concept, and I suspect that. Uh, that if I had been, for example, uh, a fourth edition player or even a second edition player primarily, it might have been a lot easier for me to understand. But um, I, I had a little bit of trouble with their their rest and healing section. Um, obviously, uh, obviously, my my eyes bugged out a little bit when I saw that in your in your long rest you get a uh, you get a full you you get all of your hit points back, which uh, was not the part I had trouble comprehending. Uh, and I think is ultimately probably going to be better for the game, even if it does make it a lot less likely that your characters are going to spend six weeks holed up in a cave somewhere while Timmy tries to convalesce, uh, which ultimately is probably a good thing. But the part that confused me was um, the the lesser rest option, where uh, where they start talking about how you can roll your hit dice to recover that many. It was very confusing for me, uh, mostly just because as a third edition player, I, I don't think of hit dice that way, and when, when possible, I don't think about them at all. But, um, but you know, for those of you who haven't played the playtest, essentially what it boils down to is we, we do still have the fourth edition style long rest and short rest, um, and during the short rest, what you can do is for each hit dice you possess, for each level you are, presumably, um, you get to roll 
you can spend that that die to roll that amount. So, for example, if you have uh, if you're a fighter and you've got one die, you've got a die twelve for your your hit points, then you can uh, you can roll a die twelve uh, when you rest and recover that many hit points. Um, you can only do that uh, a total number of rolls equal to your hit dice each day. So at, at first level, you get one of those, and then that's all of your free healing until the next time you uh, you do a long rest, which is what people from other editions would, would consider to be resting. Uh, but, you know, uh, at, at like 10th level, you can do that. You can get 10 hit dice back that way. Uh, just thought I'd chime in on that. Yeah, uh, the new uh, the new resting system is uh, is a is probably the largest uh, immediately noticeable difference about uh, about you know a, a large feature like that. I mean, uh, you know, resting and, and recovery has uh, has always uh, you know occupied a large section of the text at any rate. Uh, and you know, changing how that works from uh, from third edition is uh, is you know. Uh, probably one of the more shocking parts. Again, players of fourth edition are probably going to be uh, a lot more uh, easily adapted to that. And you know, honestly, I think that that uh, I, I agree that uh, at least the long rest healing is probably a positive change. Because uh, while it may be more realistic that Tommy needs to spend six weeks convalescing, it's also realistic that that when he got stabbed through his shirt, his wound should have gotten infected and he should have died like three hours later. So. And you know, I'm uh, I'll be the first to admit that legions of uh, of loyal AD and D fans would would really love to have rules for uh, for infectious wounds and probably have them somewhere. But um, you know, all, all joking aside, um, for every for every time that it's going to be fun or interesting or uh, or otherwise good for the game for a character or the entire party to be stuck waiting for several days while they try and get their hit points back, um, that there's going to be a hundred times where everyone's just getting frustrated because they're waiting for, uh, because, you know, they, they have to sit there and wait for like four days in game and it feels like they should really be going after the Lich King or saving the princess or whatever it is that they need to get done. And it's just not heroic to sit around and, uh, and, and lick your wounds. Uh, and, and similarly, you know, Generally speaking, if if the party has any kind of magical healing, I don't know if uh, uh, to be perfectly honest, most of my uh, most of my experience with AD and D, not all of it, but most of it comes from Baldur's Gate, and uh, and I don't know about you, but whenever I play Baldur's Gate, whenever I rest, all my healing spells are automatically cast upon rest, uh, which means that I generally don't spend that much time uh, in any edition, uh, you know, healing naturally because there's always clerics on hand to. Uh, to get that stuff out of the way. So really it's it's again just a matter of, of simplifying things and, and maybe giving the party a little bit more of the resources that they're supposed to have. Speaking of healing and, well, hit points in general, actually hit points in specific, uh, that, that was another, uh, another change that, uh, that, that it's sort of, uh, sort of a, little, a little different. Uh, at first level you begin with hit points equal to your con score, Plus your uh, plus your hit dice roll. This is uh, this is obviously uh, different from what we're used to, but you is somewhat more similar to the to the fourth edition. You have X hit points plus uh, plus your Constitution score. I'm pretty sure it's been a while since I played fourth edition. I'm pretty sure this is identical to fourth edition. It's possible it's possible that fourth edition they they said these are your starting hit points and and they just uh, it was like your Constitution plus maximum uh, dice roll, but I believe it was your, just your constitution plus a die roll. 
It is possible. It's been a while since I played fourth edition, also, uh, but it is a lot more familiar to that. Um, since the uh, since the gameplay, at least when we were playing it, felt a lot more third edition-y than uh, than fourth edition-y. Uh, this is actually a huge uh, a huge benefit, and guys, uh, second edition mages will be uh, will obviously be be jumping up and down. I remember uh, vaguely playing a two hit point character. And that wasn't very much fun, especially when when all he could do was cast one spell a day. Uh, but but this is uh, this is obviously exciting, and it really helps with uh, with making sure you make it through first level, which has at least for uh, for our group been a uh, been a serious problem with maintaining long term cam campaign health is breaking those first couple of levels. And this uh, th this system effectively you know doubles or triples your hit points at first level. Which is just what you need most of the time. I'm I'm a big fan of this. The uh, the the part that uh, the part that interests and uh, and you know really uh, sort of I'm a little less um, super enthusiastic about though. I don't necessarily dislike the idea. Is when you gain a level. Uh, it says under their Constitution hit point section. Is uh, you uh, what you do is you roll your hit dice again, which is something we're very familiar with, and then you add the results to your maximum hit points. However. It, and this is where it gets interesting. If your con modifier is higher than that, you add, you get to add that instead. So this uh, this is obviously a dramatic change and is going to lead to uh, hit hit points where uh, a system where your hit dice are more uh, more relevant to your uh, to your total hit point score and where high constitution is something that maybe mages want to stretch for because they have the lower uh, hit dice size. It's going to be of much higher benefit to have say a sixteen. More importantly, though, um, we can see that, that this, at least, is a sign that uh, ability scores may be a lot less directly important than they were in 3rd in Edition. In 3rd Edition, perhaps, perhaps one of the biggest problems with 3rd Edition, um, Broken Wizards notwithstanding, uh, is that ability scores are absolutely crucial to a good character. You, uh, for one thing, you can't get into a lot of feats and in some classes even prestige classes without uh, abnormally high ability scores uh, for that in particular score, which has been the bane of, uh, of fighters who want to fight with, uh, with fight defensively forever. Uh, and on top of that, um, you know, if you, if you don't have a high, like a high constitution is far more important to your overall hit points than the uh, than the actual dice that you're rolling for your class and so on and so forth. Um, so in this case, constitution doesn't have that big of an impact on your overall hit points. Having a high constitution will not actually ever put you ahead of someone of your class who who just rolled really well. And so if you're lucky. Uh, you you can have a, a very poor constitution and, in fact, be just as good as the guy next to you with a really high constitution. It's not very likely to happen, but it's possible. Uh, and so that's that's one thing that, that I'm excited about. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing maybe some other cases where maybe in a more second edition feel, you know, you can get away with having a character who doesn't have, you know, who has very little ability scores above 12 and still be very functional. Whereas in in third edition, you can technically run a character who who has very few ability scores above twelve, but you're probably not going to be very effective at it. And uh, just to highlight that last point, they do uh, they do say that you can re-roll if you don't have uh, if you don't have any stats above thirteen. So you know uh, that this system does definitely seem to lean more towards that being a viable statistic. 
Uh, though, uh, again, you know, they, uh, your ability scores do seem to modify your attack rolls, which, uh, which, which, you know, is obviously something you want high, but with, uh, with, with AC numbers that are, that are looking to me at least as capping at, uh, at as high as, uh, at least with the rules they give us, uh, capping as high as like 23, if you have that best medium armor and, or, that's 20, actually, now that I think about it, and uh, really high dexterity. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, if the ability score cap is 20, uh, I, I think you're going to be very hard-pressed to find anyone with an AC above 20. Yeah, um, the, unless they have a shield, now that I think about it. <laughs> At any rate, um, shields tend to get overlooked by... Uh, by by those of us who like to play mages and guys who who use both their hands for weapons, so um, so anyway, let's uh, let let's move on a little bit from uh, from that. We can talk a little bit more about uh, you know some of the uh, some of the other rules they've uh, they they've made some other cool minor changes to uh, to for example the surprise round now doesn't exist. They've replaced it with a minus twenty initiative penalty, which I think is cool. It certainly, uh, it, it certainly simplifies uh, simplifies the the combat round with there being less. Um, you know, these guys have a jump, so they uh, so you know now they're going to potentially devastate you know the critically important mage or, or you know ruin the encounter by uh, by wrecking the boss before you can act. Yeah, there's there's definitely something to be said for that. Um, and having a minus twenty initiative penalty was certainly uh, an elegant uh, elegant approach, uh, design wise. Um, generally, what I what I get from that change to initiative is uh, is that you know this this game is is going to be less likely to reward um, ambushes. Uh, obviously, it is less likely to reward ambushes because the reward for an ambush is you're almost certainly going to go first. Whereas in, say, 3rd edition, the reward for an ambush was whether or not you go first, uh, in general, you are going to get a free extra round where you shoot them or whatever, uh, which is obviously a lot more valuable, all things considered, because uh, ultimately, as far as first shots, you will be going first, and then after that, if everything goes in turn order, you know, whatever, you got a free round. Um, so, you know, uh, on the other hand, uh, Maybe uh, maybe that's fine. Maybe you don't want your PCs to be making that many ambushes. Maybe they're glorious, hero virtuous heroes of light who uh, who don't do that. Uh, and obviously, it's going to be a lot um, lot better for that. Uh, I am happy to see the the rules for surprise rounds go away, though. Um, frankly, I never really liked the whole yes. Yeah, so in this six seconds, you uh, you can only take a partial action. Or you can only take a single action, depending on which iteration of third you're talking about. Um, whereas, you know, normally, obviously, you would, you would be able to get that. Uh, I'm not entirely certain that I, I like the minus 20 more than uh, more than I like. You know, you get uh, you just get a full free round. But you know, maybe maybe there will be complicated rules where uh, where where initiative wraps around or something. Or uh, Alternatively, that'll probably fall into one of their many, uh, many module modular rules or, or whatever it is that they were talking about doing. It's it's obviously very early in at the moment. Yeah, um, obviously there were uh, there were some other you know more or less non-functional changes. For example, uh, coup de gras changed slightly, but you're still basically instantly killing anybody who's uh, who's helpless. And 
you know, they, they, they changed the, uh, the wording for a full defense to the dodge action, which is, you know, a lot more exciting to say I spend the round dodging than I take a full defense. Yeah, one, um, one thing I do definitely want to touch on, and probably, uh, uh, as far as I can tell, one of the, the things about the playtest that's generating the most buzz is uh, advantage and disadvantage, um, which is a new mechanic that they're introducing here, which is um, where basically if, if you've played 4th edition, you remember you have combat advantage or you can... Um, I guess in, in fourth edition you just you just had combat advantage or you granted combat advantage, but um, it it seems to be based sort of off of that. Basically, whenever you would have uh, one of those you know plus two minus two penalties like uh, like you get so many of in third edition, the idea is instead of having that junk, uh, what you do is you you have advantage or alternatively you have disadvantage, and when that happens, essentially. Whenever you would make a single roll, you make two rolls, and you take, if you have advantage, the better of the two, or if you have disadvantage, you take the worse of the two. Uh, this mechanic I have found uh, from our playtest was, was strikingly powerful. Uh, creatures with disadvantage uh, were having serious problems being able to hit anything, Creatures with advantage were having serious problems not hitting things, which is not a problem for them, but uh, you get the idea. Um, it's I, I remember reading somewhere, uh, I, I don't have the math uh, to support it, but I remember reading somewhere that, uh, that if you roll 2 die 20 and, and take the higher, this comes out to an average bonus of about uh, 4.5. It's, it's the equivalent, roughly, uh, statistically speaking. Um, this is a kind of math that I don't do very often, so uh, I assumed he was correct. You don't necessarily take my word for it. Go out and do the math yourself. But um, anyway, um, so that seems fine. Um, and, and to be honest, that I, I in my experience, the disadvantage penalty was a much more dramatic one. Uh, and, and I'm not sure if, if those numbers stack up the same way, but what, one thing to be aware of is, is from what I've seen, advantage and disadvantage are very, very powerful mechanics that are going to sway the game, and so that's something at the very least you should, you should be aware of before you use them. Yeah, they were definitely incredibly dramatic during uh, our playthrough, and uh, definitely... Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to feel really good to have advantage and it's going to be one of those things where it's going to you know really reward people for getting into situations that are advantageous so that that's exciting that you're gonna that you're gonna get a more meaningful reward for doing those uh, doing those you know exciting clever things rather than a you know say plus one bonus for attacking from higher ground that might not be good enough to necessarily grant something as powerful as advantage but it might uh, on the on the inverse side though having disadvantage is incredibly frustrating uh, I can uh, I can already imagine that uh, that that could uh, that that could be a really bad feeling uh, it certainly was for a bunch of orcs we trapped in a net and uh, you know, it, I can definitely see that being something that uh, that people are going to be less excited about. Personally, if uh, if I was doing the uh, the thing for the whole, I might be uh, being more inclined to say cut disadvantage, and uh, and keep advantage though. Uh. One other thing about the mechanic that um, that I I've heard around is uh, is I have heard some complaints about you know too many too many dice and and all of that. Uh, I I think. 
if you uh, if you're enough of a gamer that you own two die twenty, this is not an issue for you. So if you're hearing if you're hearing that uh, that the next D and D next is you know roll fistfuls of dice, it's it's not. Um, I do want to make sure I, I touch on before we go, and we're uh, we're already over time here. Uh, those of you who are concerned that D and D next is just going to be a new fourth edition, and that wizards are not going to be fun or interesting, um, you know it obviously would be a major concern for uh for our uh, our audience here we know who we're talking to so uh i want to make sure that we talk about that before we go um the uh the D next playtest has information on a variety of spells the um <clears throat> the write-ups for these don't necessarily look quite like um they don't look exactly the same as the third edition ones. There's actually a lot less information in them, but they don't look very much at all like uh, like fourth edition ones. And for example, um, you know, we've we've still got favorites here. We've got sleep. We've got silence. We've got charm person. Um, we've got magic missile. We've got things like alarm as well. Uh, I'm I'm aware, ironically, um, you know, most of the things I'm calling out here were probably also in fourth edition. For the most part, these uh, these do work in in more or less the way that you would expect them to. Uh, sleep is a little bit different. They use that mechanic that uh, that we were talking about when we did our, our last review, or when we were talking about the um, the the stuff their design goals. Uh, so for sleep, um, you do now get to hit all creatures in a 20 foot radius, but um, they only move at half speed. They don't fall asleep unless they have 10 hit points or less which at first level will be most of the creatures. Um, but anyway, um, if they have 10 hit points or less, then they have then they have to save or fall asleep, which is more like the sleep that we're used to. Uh, alarm, again, works, works similarly. Um, charm Person, for those of you who are, who are, you know, the big enchanters. We talked about enchantment last week. Uh, charm Person, you should note, only lasts for an hour, as opposed to, I believe, in 3rd edition, it's an hour a level. Uh, so that's a bit of a downgrade, but uh, probably a good one. Yeah, I think with the with the case of something like Charm Person, you know, I mean, an hour is enough for you to get you know most of the use you're going to want out of it, uh, but not so much that you're just going to be annoying people in person. Uh, another important aspect of the uh, of the spells that uh, that a lot of people uh, I think are going to be interested in are those uh, those cantrip like super spells you know the, the more powerful versions of cantrips are at, are at will attack powers for fourth edition fans um you know these were uh, these worked more or less how i expected them to uh and they were exciting enough to cast it it doesn't feel you know wonky or weird to be using them and it doesn't feel like um like you know they, they uh that they obviate your actual spells and your actual spells still work you know like you expect them to so it it's a, it really is kind of a really nice best of both worlds kind of situation. Um, you know, the, the, you, I did not, admittedly, uh, we did not do a lot of attacking with that quarterstaff. Uh, so in, in that, in that, in the, in the respect that you don't make a lot of basic melee attacks as a, uh, as a character with access to these, uh, these at will cantrips, uh, you know, as far as that goes, it's a lot like fourth edition. Uh, where you're probably only going to be making attack of opportunities with that quarter staff or whatever. Yes, and then the uh, the one other thing about uh, about magic and spells is there there was a place in the playtest in the rules where they talked about how some spells would do 
different things at higher levels when you put them in different slots uh, we haven't seen much of that I don't believe I don't believe that the playtest uh, actually gives you places for higher level spell slots um, so we haven't really seen any implementation of that uh, as far as I can tell the only spell in the uh, in the, the playtest that actually increases based on your level is magic missile uh, which now uh, goes at a slightly slower progression, but you can do it all day long. So um, honestly, I think that uh, that is definitely the uh, the best of both worlds as far as you know player power goes. Um, so uh, in any case, it looks like um, based on our based on our first experiences with it, uh, I would say that this is definitely an addition that shows some promise. Um, based on the very scant and sparse playtest rules. Um, I'm not entirely certain that I'm yet ready to uh, to cash in all my uh, all my third edition books, and I'm not 100% certain that this is going to be um, based on what I'm seeing a, a, a complex and rich enough system that it's it's going to switch to my default. But I'm certainly not opposed to playing a few games of it and you know uh, doing it up from time to time. And uh, since this is just a playtest, it's entirely possible that you know the final product is going to be much more robust and, and much more satisfying overall, in which case, you know, I'm, I'm prepared to entertain the possibility of, of swapping to a different edition. Uh, overall, I concur. I'm very excited by the, uh, by the things I've been seeing in the playtest. I'd like to, uh, I mean, obviously we, uh, they, they say they're a long way from, or a lot of playtests away from seeing a final edition. I'm excited to see what kind of revisions they're going to make. And uh, and to see if they uh, they continue offering the same kind of promise as the uh, as the initial playtest, and uh, just want to you know make sure that it doesn't end up looking uh, looking like a fourth edition clone by the end of the whole thing because I didn't enjoy that edition very much. Uh, but uh, but as far as the uh, the the playtest concerns, uh, I, I guess their uh, their big concern was does the edition let you uh, play the game you know according to your own game style. Uh, I personally found that it did. Uh, we uh, we more or less went about our business. Uh, we uh, we you know were able to uh, to bully a goblin into telling us what we wanted, uh, but you know not necessarily bully him to giving up everything he could have done. We were able to uh, to set an ambush, which backfired because there were too many orcs. But that wasn't uh, that wasn't so much the addition's fault as as that, that that adventure had more orcs than we were necessarily expecting, and uh, and we still got to uh, got to have some fun and exciting uh, and exciting combats. One of the things that that I really liked about the gameplay was that uh, that the whole time we got to feel like like bad badass bruisers, kind of like uh, kind of like a fourth edition character where you run over everything, but at the same time we were seriously threatened, had to call, haul out some uh, some dying people. And uh, and the, there there was a serious threat level there. It was really challenging and engaging, uh, very very much like earlier editions of the game, where uh, where at every time you know I felt that uh, that if we came in on too many orcs at the wrong time, we were all dead. So that was also very exciting. Yeah, and uh, and it's also I think worth noting that um, you know one of the since he brought up the the specific concern they had for the playtest, which was you know does this let you play uh, like a if if you want to play it like it's a tactical combat sim, then you know is is that what you do? Can you do that? But on the other hand, if you want to play this as you know high role playing with uh, with some fighting in the background, can you do that too? And and so far from what I've seen, the the system feels a lot more natural for a lot more wide variety of play 
than, for example, fourth edition did. I'm I'm aware that you know there's nothing stopping you from playing fourth edition as a you know one of those various other ways, but it it always seems to somehow wind up back into uh, into just tactical mini combat. Uh, so whatever the case, and you know we we don't want to say we hate fourth edition, but we do want to say that we like this better. So finally, on a somewhat sadder note, uh, we have uh, after after continuing the podcast with a with a shortened uh, shortened version, as you've you've seen for the last few weeks here, uh, we've determined that the amount of uh, time and manpower that's going into this project that is not uh, therefore being put into other Necromancers of the Northwest podcasts or projects is uh, is not is is more than we can justify from the response we've been getting from listeners from the amount of uh, from the amount of viewership we've been seeing so we regret to inform you that as of the end of this podcast uh we're going to be putting uh putting the the Necromancer of the Northwest podcast on a temporary on a on an indefinite hiatus uh we look forward to hopefully coming back there may be some uh, some special uh, special edition podcast where we talk about, um, you know, maybe the upcoming things with D&D Next is something that, that we've been particularly passionate about, and we look forward to maybe being able to continue to give you some information about that. Uh, we may also do some podcasts in the future where we talk about some of our products. Uh, so, you know, if you're interested in that sort of be- behind-the-scenes design stuff, you can look forward to, uh, to hearing some more of that or upcoming upcoming. Uh, teasers about things we may be able to do some of that in the future but for the time being we're going to be moving off of our weekly schedule podcast and uh, there's no plans at the moment for us to resume so we'd like to take just a moment to uh, to say goodbye to you uh, as this may be the last time for quite a while you'll be hearing our no doubt lovely voices yeah so it's been real guys uh you know thanks for listening those of you that that are listening uh, you know, if you've got friends, you know, gather up some support, put it on our forum, you know, you can probably drag us back from the brink, but, uh, but in the meantime, you know, keep an eye out for some special edition podcasts, you know, stick around for our excellent article content. That's not going anywhere. Uh, if you got some ideas for stuff you want to see on Fridays instead of a podcast, you know, we'd love to hear them. So, uh, you know, just drop us a line. That's true. Uh, I'll I'll take a quick moment to remind you that we do always love to hear from our fans with you know ideas uh, for things that they want to see, uh, and we would be happy to uh, you know if you if you have something you want want us to do that uh, that you think would be nice and new, uh, focus for a different article or uh, I'd really like a book about these. You know, drop us a line. Worst comes to worst, we do it, or or I guess we don't. I don't know. Whichever you think would be worse. In any case. Um, so that is uh that's all um next week on the website will be music week so uh definitely drop in there'll be some fun uh music themed feats class features magic items and spells and uh you know we look forward to uh to continuing to provide awesome role-playing stuff for you in the future have a good game (laughs) 